Então, it is important for us to know that presence it is the responsibility of the teacher to teach to go into the gospel to excavate or some some will say a totemiology to properly and appropriately divide the scriptures that is what the lord is calling us to do and he holds us responsible for ensuring that we act we spend time studying to understand what the holy spirit not just we don't study to teach what you feel you study to teach what the holy spirit is leading that's why sometimes you all hear only and i talk about how ah, we prepared for this but the holy spirit is saying we should go a different way it is not about what we know it's about what he is choosing so that it will so that when we come it will not be in our eloquence it will not be in our wisdom it will not be in flowery words it will always be him and him glorified if it is him we preach there should be no form of us in the message if the message has you you are you because you are not perfect you are good if the message has you a version of you is enough to take away or taint or distract from the gospel the assignment of the teacher or the preacher is to teach or bring this gospel but the assignment of the receiver is not to be present but to embrace the issue with belief or the issue with christianity a lot of times is that people are present but not embracing what does that mean people are seat fillers hearers of the word but they've heard it they don't study it they don't embrace it it is a box checking thing where i have gone to church i listen to what did the preacher say some can repeat it some can quote it some didn't even hear it but how many of them have become what they listen to marina you shared your testimony but your growth in christ is was as a result of your embrace of the gospel the gospel is not a message the gospel is a person him we preach that him is foolishness to the world but that him is both the wisdom and power of god him is a reality him is the gospel him is our faith let me repeat that him is the reality him is the gospel him is our faith the power of the believer unto salvation is christ the bible is not the power of the believer unto salvation christ is the power of the believer unto salvation if you try to use the bible as the authority for freedom you will miss it because if you read the bible and don't see christ all you have seen is how to's 
you have seen love. And without Christ, who is grace? Who, sorry, who brings grace? Without Christ bringing grace, it is impossible to fulfill the law. Without Christ bringing grace, it is impossible to fulfill the law. And what is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? It is that the love of God has brought us to a place of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. What is grace? It is that the love of God has brought us to a place of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It is in fellowship that the testimony of the believer is realized. It is in fellowship that the truth is unveiled. It is in fellowship that the freedom, the freedoms that we have received in Christ is unveiled. You now know the lies that the enemy has been telling you. Because the strength of the enemy is in the depth of our ignorance. The strength of the enemy is in the depth of our ignorance. We have taken the enemy to be a powerful foe, not a wise one. We have taken the enemy to be a powerful foe, not a wise one. That's why you hear such such uh, such phrases like, "If you are going to deal with devil, it will a long spoon." By the time you sit, he sits on your table. He owns your table. There's no such thing as a long spoon. By the time he takes, by the time he 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 has the same bowl with you, he has all your food. By the time he has your spoon, he has your life. If he's had, if he's at your table. He has you. We see the enemy as powerful but unwise. We've glorified his power and almost seems like he's in competition with God in every situation. We have box checked so much that we are supposed to receive from. That when life happens, when life starts life being, the life in us cannot be awoken because we don't know truth. Truth is a person awoken by the revelation of his identity as life. It's the identities of Christ we know that helps us know our identity in him. To know truth is to know that lies don't affect you. To know the life is to know that you have authority over death. To know the son is to know that you are also a son. To know the light is to know that you are also the light. Because as he is, so are you in this world. So to know Christ is how the believer is unveiled. Is everything making sense, people? I, am, I, am I talking too fast? I'm, I'm, because it's supposed to be a discussion today. I mean, we're going to go a, a bit deep into some things, but I want to just, just start with a discussion. And 
before we go into the deeper things of in like people like to say the deeper things in christ uh, i wanted us to ensure that if the foundation is not found wanting that we truly understood our testimony as believers we understood what should i say what is required of us we understood what this journey entails I think about that. What does it mean to be a believer? What is your testimony as a believer? What does it mean to be a Christian? Is Christianity a religion? What is your identity? These are some of the questions we go on the journey to answer in the, during this series. And the questions change as thought forms that I want us to be addressing in our mind go through. Now we come to this place. There are 12 words that define sons of God. 12 words that define believers. By these 12 words, you understand where the person is, where the person isn't. The first word is grace. Second word is faith. Third word is belief. Fourth word is fellowship. Fifth word is rest. Sixth word is love. Seventh word is identity. Eighth word is oneness. Ninth, gratitude. Tenth, submission. Let me see. Yeah, my, my that counter was really bad. Sorry about that. Final <laughs> manifestation. I thought it was really wonderful. This, the understanding of these words becomes the things that define the life of a believer. As we can see on the screen, it says, our being in Christ, be in, our being in Christ, and our living in Christ. In him, we live, we move, we have our being. So if we, if we have our being and our living in him, which is our believing in Christ, so in him we live. In him we move, in him we have our being. So in him we have our being, and in him we have our living. So our B style of living is in Christ. So our believing is in Christ. The word defines our believing. He is the word. He defines our believing. But these words that we commonly use as Christians define what, how and what we know about Christ. Our understanding of these words helps us separate legalism witchcraft because in the day today we have a lot of people preaching legalism mixing law and grace and they are telling you it's done in the name of christ some people i think when you and i were watching some woman yesterday um, um come um, on when you and I were watching some we were watching some woman yesterday who was um in water and then telling people that she would she um in the name of jesus she will spring to the water and they should come and buy the water and that's how their lives this year will be and people were rushing to buy this is a woman telling you that she's in water she's looking taking water from a river telling you she's praying upon the river in jesus name there's so much nonsense done church in the name of christ and believers who don't know these 12 words who don't have actual understanding are being taken 
hand and foot are destroyed, are suffering for their lack of knowledge. Some people are preaching culture as biblical wisdom. Some people are preaching insecurities, wounds, money-making schemes, and son abuse done in the name of Christ from the gospel and from the body of Christ. Look at this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Marina, these are the twelve. You're looking at the screen. Let's quickly, I'm, I'm, again, it's a discussion, so I'm briefly going through all this. Is everyone tracking? Am I making sense so far? Is everything making sense? There's 12 things that defines sons of God. The first one is, now we are, we are explaining how those words define sons. First word was grace. The grace of God. As a son, do you know that grace is free? It was not cheap, but it is free. Because something is free does not mean it is cheap. We know what grace costs. We know, what, we know the price of grace. We don't know the cost of it. There's a difference between the price of something and the cost of something. A person can say, oh, see, can you, may I have $5? I'll say, okay, take $5. But so, thank you. Oh, he just gave me five dollars. That's not much. He may not have known that in order to give him that five dollars, I may have had to go downstairs, go to my car, drive somewhere, go to the ATM, come back. As a result of coming back, I tripped, I bruised my knee, I hit my head, I got up. As I was coming, I got stuck in traffic. In the process of being in traffic, I tried to get out of traffic. I got pulled over by the cops. I, and the cops now give, give, give somebody how much did the five dollars I gave cost me? So it took, it took my time, it took me away from the house, it took me. We know the price of a lot of things that Christ did, but we don't really understand what it really cost him. What did grace, what did it cost God to be separate from God for the first time? What did it cost God to debase himself as man? What did it cost God to die, to taste death in the flesh of his creation? What did it cost God? Grace is free. Grace is not cheap. It is an insult to grace when we don't know the cost to try to place a cost by sacrificing ourselves when it has already sacrificed. It's an insult to grace, both in price and cost, when we try to pay for what cost God heavily to give us freely. Are we is, it, is this making sense to people? Are we tracking? Am I talking too fast? Is it making sense? Okay, thank you. It is an insult to grace to so heavily try to work out what we received in love. It defines a son who doesn't know grace because he would always be jealous 
when the ease is the testimony of another son. He will never be able to welcome other sons in love because the foundation of grace is rooted in love. Grace means, because the Bible says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is the love of God and the fellowship. So that and there is kai, which is such as, even though the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is the love of God, which is the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Sons that don't know grace can never receive fellowship. Sons that don't know grace always are constantly working to earn God and never arrive at a place of rest. Sons must know grace. And sons must know that grace is a person that came as a result of Christ. That person is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is not a dog. The Holy Spirit is a being. It's the third expression of the Godhead. With full authority. As Hebrews said, it was him that said they will not enter into the good rest. But the Holy Spirit said, so it's the Holy Spirit that said, and the rest of God obeyed. He did not argue. He is the heart of God that connects to the heart of man. Because think about this. Second says, I'm just hearing this for the first time. The gospel is not a message, but a person. Yes, in Colossians, him we preach. Which is and that hymn that we preach is foolishness to the world, but he is the wisdom and power of God. Him we preach. The gospel is not a message, it's a person. It's first a person. Because if you think the gospel is just a message, you can make any mess and tell them it's your version. The gospel is Christ. You cannot shift him. You cannot move him. He's God and he changed not. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. So it is the same because it is Christ. It's him we preach. It is him we teach. So that they may know him in the beauty of his holiness and in the fellowship of his suffering. That fellowship of his suffering is what we call the finished work. So we fellowship with his fellowship. So we may become the testimony of his fellowship. Grace, the Holy Spirit is the person. If you do not know the Holy Spirit, person, office, ministry, it will be difficult to know truth because you will spend so much time trying to read the Bible on your own, trying to study the word on your own, trying to do so much on your own, Start feeling like you are an orphan when the foundation of sonship is in the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He was left behind. He, be, he came so that you may have and enjoy the presence of the Father. Even Christ needed the Holy Spirit. And that's why when the Holy Spirit descended upon him, he could then see, he could then understand, as my father do, I've seen my father, the expressions and the unity he could have with the Father was as a result of the presence of the Holy Spirit because he was fully man. And the Holy Spirit is given to us so that 
we may also understand along with Christ the testimony of the love of the Father. The faith of God is the second thing. Faith is not something you have. Faith is something you embrace. Let me further even correct that word, that, that phrase. Faith is not something you embrace. Faith is someone you embrace. Mr. Mike, can you hear us now? Can you can you hear us now? Are you hearing? Are you hearing that? Are you hearing better? Yes, I can now. I can. Good evening, okay. Pastor. Okay. Good evening. So, faith is a, is a person. That person is Jesus. He's the substance of things hopeful. He's the evidence of things unseen. Faith is a person that you embrace. Now, grace is a gift. Faith is a gift. Belief is not a gift. Let me repeat that. Grace is a gift. Faith is a gift. Belief is not a gift to the believer. The re God gifts you reasons to believe. You now have a choice to or not to believe. The reasons he gifts you are what draws you. Now when you are drawn to the, to the water, it's your choice to drink. Will you drink? So things to say. So it is right to say that the gospel is first a person before it, before the message. Correct. So, grace and faith are gifts that bring you to belief. You have a choice to choose to or not to believe. Some people are so offended they choose not to believe. People are so angry they choose not to believe. Some people are so in their own heads, they are so intellectual that God does not seem logical enough for them. Some people have seen all the evidences and because they were not present then, there's always a good reason why the evidences could be false. Belief is the only thing a believer is responsible for in our work with Christ. Everything else is a gift. You are responsible for your belief. Belief happens when you embrace faith so that you can receive grace and enjoy fellowship. Belief happens when you embrace faith so that you can receive grace and enjoy fellowship. You embrace Christ that the testimony of the personification of the Holy Spirit, which is the fullness of the Father available, can become tangible. As in, it's in fellowship with that Holy Spirit that you come to rest. Access is part of the gifts that come with belief. You have access to God. You don't need a middleman. You don't need, I mean, you don't need a third party. You don't need to go to a mountain. By belief, you are now indwelled with the fullness of God. You need a standard and the ladder is in you. And the angels are descending up and down on that ladder. So you don't need any other standard. You don't need to find the ladder. You don't need to climb a mountain. You need a mountain. Upon this rock, I will build my church. So you are up, you're already upon the rock. So you are The rock is in you. You're already upon the rock. 
you need to go to a quiet place, a, a river. The river is in. So everything that could have been an excuse as to where you have to go to find God is in you. Access is part of the gifts of belief. Are we, am I, is this making sense to people? Are, are people tracking? Because you all are yeah. very quiet today. We are, try, we are trying to understand, I mean, assimilate and get familiar with what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. We're tracking, we're tracking, sir. In fact, we have many things to discuss today. So, um, we're just, this is just a warm-up. <laughs> so, yes. we are getting to, because we, we are, uh, before we go into the deeper part of today's discussion, I'm, I'm, I'm starting small. Access. The fellowship, the, the, the fellowship that access brings is what brings the believer to rest. When people say they, they cannot find rest in God, like I don't know how to rest, check your fellowship, check your belief, check your understanding of faith, and check your understanding of grace. Everything, these 12 things are arranged in order. It is in rest because we still and know that I am God. It is in the stillness of rest that you will receive the revelation of God. And to know him is to know love. You can't know God without knowing you are loved by him. You can't know him without knowing that you are loved by him. A lot of people come to fellowship and never really get to rest. They stop at fellowship and think that from fellowship you go and walk. God does not put you on the field until you are first resting in him, resting specifically in his love. Love brings you to identity. It is the love of God that unveils your identity in him. It is the love of God that unveils your worth to him. For God so loved, comma, then dearly priced that he gave his only begotten son. It is in the giving of the son that sons come to revelation of the identity in the father. It is in the giving of the son that sons come to their identity in the person of the father. Today, we're going to be talking about a lot of things about names and how names bring us into Christ. We are going on a journey of the name. But before we get to name, the purpose of man, and things like that today, why man was created, what man was called for, how man operates, I want us to understand what defines sons. From identity, you come into oneness. When you come into oneness, oneness with God, also oneness in God, you have and dimensions. There is no mystery. If you are one with God, that means everything that is hidden is revealed to you. Grace reveals because he has to instruct to equip. Grace, the Spirit of God, has searched all the things of touched the heart of God and is revealing the heart of God to you. So you are one in God. You see the believer from your understanding of your identity. And from your seat in love. To rest in God is to know authority. You are seated in Christ in heavenly places. Stop trying to stand up. 
You are seated in Christ in heavenly places. Stop trying to stand up. Rest. Your authority is like you. We, we often forget forget that one, to sit down is to take a, a, a place of comfort and authority. When you see kings, they don't have to stand up from their seat to give orders. They sit down and command. Rest. You are you are a king seated far above principalities and powers. You do not have to move. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. You are seated far above principalities and power. You are not a principality, neither are you a power. I've heard Christians call themselves a principality. You are not a principality. You are far above principalities. A principality is a head of a municipality. A principality is a head of a location. It's a prince over a municipality, a head over a location, a governor over a region. Mm. A power is a force operating in a space. Okay? Now, you are the atmosphere of Christ, which means you govern every force because force is mass acceleration. I don't know how I'm going to physics, but you, your mass, your weight is in Christ. The space you occupy is in Christ. The mass is the Holy Spirit in you, the authority of the Father. That is your mass. Your space is in Christ. So you have weight. You have authority. So he has given you authority. He said, all power in heaven and on earth has been conferred unto me. And he gave it unto you. So all power is in him. And he... So if you are the head, you are the body. And all things are under his feet, which means all things are under you. So don't, you don't have to get out of Christ to deal with situations. Rest. We, we often try to set Christ aside to deal with life. Whereas he is the life because he has conquered all things in life. So the wisdom for victory is in the Christ that you know. Faith is Christ and his finished works. Faith, that person called faith, has to be tangible as a sword so that it can divide asunder the intention of the adversary and then pour out in you, equipping you with the wisdom of the Spirit to deal with and become everything God requires of you. This is the blessings of the testimony of oneness with God. To know rest, to know the love, you begin to see everyone as God sees. That's oneness in God. Treating each believer as God would treat them. Treating a situation as God would have seen it. And when you have oneness in and oneness with and all mysteries are being revealed to you, what your heart comes to is gratitude. You have no discontentment. You have no entitlement. Many people are one, but they have not come to a place beyond the mysteries into gratitude. They are still comparing other people's lives. Because if God is doing it for someone close to you, he's in your neighborhood. If it can be done for someone else, it can be done for you. You are not the only one God sends to, be, sends to give people money. God can also send someone to give money to you. 
you are not the only one that everyone has to your back is not the rock upon which the world stands like christ did not die for the world hmm. god hallelujah your back is not the only one to lift up the world hmm. you are not the carrier of the world god is and even then his earth is his footstool and if you are in he who makes the earth his footstool why are you trying to lift up what he rests his foot on yeah i think uh, this we, we always forget this that this the work that is just required for me i don't know whether i will call it work like embracing all that god uh, you know had, all that god has done for us is the best thing that we can do for him this thing it looks hmm. looks easy to say but when we are it's faced difficult. with life <laughs> when we are faced with life challenge most times it doesn't come into our head it is how we can deal with these particular issues at that time. A lot of things are coming. These scriptures, it will just look like everything will just vanish at that time. Why is it like that? I, I think it's because we, we, we forget who we are. If you are consistently conscious of who we are and our oneness with Christ, and we operate from that reality, it will be easy. Just seeing the administration of or every, just seeing what we are being taught today now. Ah, God, that's the reality. If we understand who we are, we embrace it consistently intentionally. Yes, we are intentional, consistently. As we put it to memory, we embrace it. We live in the consciousness of it. Just hearing all these nice making the whole thing about Christianity a beauty is a life. We have we have the dead life, we have the Christ life. We should be conscious of the life that we have been given, the life we have come into is a consciousness, and it's something we choose to be. Well, I mean, where I mean we choose to be, we choose to we intentionally embrace it consistently. And sir, uh, that, that's something again I've come to realize. The way we, sorry, I don't know, the, the way most of most of the times, uh, the preachers of Greece, if you come to our, like in our space here, the kind of prayer point most of us raise, it doesn't connect to, it does not have, there is no connection as to what Greece, the kind of prayer we should be praying as Greece ministers. Like you will start hearing when you come, it will look like those prayer points look like you are like works, like you are trying to do to make God to do. You have to force draw as in you are trying to pull God's hand to do something that has been done for us. Again, you see, people are looking for in prayer things that we have received by belief. Remember, I told you that all these things are in order. Because hmm. I, 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 you and Mr. Mike said two different things. I will, I will start with, I'll answer you, Mr. King, and I'll go back to what Mr. Mike was saying. Two different things. People are looking for in prayer what we received by belief. Okay, what are the signs of belief? Uh, uh, Mark 16, 17 to 18. Okay, let me go. Let's go to the Bible. Mark, let me, let me share this talent set. Can you all see the screen? Yeah. Yes, sir. 
Okay. Mark 16. It says, And these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. Let me show you something else. I think, um, I think it's in Colossians 1, 28. Colossians 1. I'm, going, I'm, I'm showing you that and I'm going to go to Colossians 1. Colossians chapter 1. Um, let me see. Okay, it's the exact image. Uh, find more things like other thrones. He existed before him, he's a life source. Of living. I'm trying to find. Uh, sorry, give me one second, guys. I'm trying to find... Okay, we proclaim him in all wisdom so that we may present... Secondly, you ask me to Christ the wisdom of God. I'm, 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 I want to join three scriptures together to show you all Show you all this. Can you see this? Okay. Yes, sir, so, we can. So the second scripture I'm showing you is this. So I'm, I want to show you three things. We proclaim him. Actually, let me use New King James. That's that. New King James has. Okay. Let me go to 18. Thank you. Sorry about that. Um, okay, so. The mystery which has been hidden from ages, from which has been hidden from ages and from generation, but has now been revealed to his saints. To them, God will to make known what are the riches of his glory, of this mystery among Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach. You see that? So we've talked about the signs that follow him, that those that believe. We talked about now Christ being the gospel. Teach one in every man and teaching every man all in wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I labor, striving accordingly. I want us to now see 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. 18 to 24. Yes, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 24, 216. Okay. I'm going through scripture so that I'm taking us somewhere. Are, are people tracking here? Okay. You're tracking. Chapter, I just put Colossians. Verse 18. Okay. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. 
It is the power of God. Who is the message of the cross? Christ. Who is the message? Who is the gospel? Christ. Christ. Christ is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the distributor of this age? For has God not made the foolish, made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message, through the foolishness of the message preached to those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek, seek after wisdom. For we preach Christ, so he is the message. To the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Let me stop there. We have seen the signs that follow them that believe. We have seen Christ is both the gospel, Christ is also the power, Christ is also the wisdom of God. So, some people are looking for in prayer what we have already received in Christ. Mm, powerful. Some people are looking for in prayer what by belief we have received in Christ. Peter was not praying when the shadow was healing. He was walking. Handkerchiefs that touched Paul. They did not say Paul was praying over the handkerchief. The handkerchiefs touched him. They used it to heal. Prayer is first in nature before it's an action. So Hallelujah. people who do not know their identity are trying to use prayer as a ritual, as a, 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 a dice. Let me roll six. Let me roll five. By the time I wrote this, if I get lucky, they now use prayer as some sort of ATM. Prayer is a nature for communication with God. It's a nature where the fullness of God is given to sons in love so that sons may become his fullness on earth. Simple. Prayer is not a ritual. Prayer is not a contract. Prayer is not a, an ATM. or prayer, prayer is not a, God is not a genie that used prayer to rob him. But look, if you check the Bible, the times where God was talking about answering, and Daniel, while he was yet speaking, a lot of times you see while you were yet speaking. And even in the Bible, um, um, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, verse uh, 20, superabundantly more than you can ask, think, or even pray. Why are you blessed with things that you did not pray for? So are you now saying that the signs that follow belief are dependent on your ability to pray. When he said these signs shall accompany you, he didn't say these signs you shall pray for. Are you going to pray for the power of God when you have already received Christ, the power of God? Are you going to pray for the wisdom of God when you have already received Christ, the wisdom of God? Are you, are you then praying for the Holy Spirit that you have already received who comes with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, the fear of the God? What are you praying for? It's praying people for who Lord. don't know what they have received that are praying for things that they've already gotten in Christ. Uh -huh. so, so, there is this thing that happens sometimes eh, when we are praying for like a leader or do you understand we're praying for our brethren in the church and all that and then you hear prayer point like let's pray for uh, for the anointing to flow let's pray for uh, god to for the anointing to increase let's pray for the anointing the, uh, then i begin to wonder if if you and sometimes when you try to correct this prayer point or this notion some people fight it 
They fight it even in the church. You, you, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So what people should be praying for? Because signs and wonders are not a mark of the presence of God. Again, the devil could do most of the miracles that Moses did. The devil did, could replicate most of the miracles that Moses did. Maybe on a smaller scale. But until when he came to creation and God created the death and life, beginning and the end, the devil could do nothing about that. So, I'm saying this because we don't pray for miracles. We don't pray for signs and wonders. We pray for an atmosphere of belief. So rather than praying for anointing, because from the, and what anointing? You are already anointed by the Holy Spirit. For whoever believed was already anointed. The Holy Spirit is the oil. What other anointing are you looking for? And it went, it's like sometimes I always get frustrated when I go into place and say, Holy Spirit, come down. The Holy Spirit already came down in Pentecost. He never went back up. I can understand if you're saying the Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Like you are saying, Oh, the owner of this place, you are welcome. We are, you are reverencing him. You are yielding authority. I can, you are yielding authority. Right? You, uh -huh. I can understand that when you say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We appreciate things like that. Yes, that's for saying, Holy Spirit, come down. Um, anointing flow. No, you decree an atmosphere of, the, of belief. And all this, mm -hmm. so when you decree an atmosphere of belief, all the signs and wonders that follow belief happen there. Happen. You don't need to pray for signs and wonders. So, we start, so if people receive sign and wonder, and don't, don't, he said, Father, I did this in your name. I cast out demons in your name. I would, so they talk about all the signs and the wonders they did in his name. But he said, Depart from me, I know you not. So he was not looking for the sign or the wonder, he was looking for fruits. He was looking for fruit, bringing us back to fruit. This is why. The wilderness is not just a season that you go through. It's a mindset that you are trans being transformed from. Let me repeat that. The wilderness is not just a season that you go through. It's a mindset that you are being transformed from. Wilderness is a season and a mindset of a person. Wilderness is the absence because the devil, um, the, it, two people went into the wilderness. One person came out with authority. Let me explain what I mean. In order for fasting to happen, I, I'm trying as much as possible not to go into fasting because I want us to learn a lot of things before we talk about fasting in future. The reason why we are going through all these things that this beginning that we are going back to so that we can get to a place where we can talk about. But the first example of fasting is in Leviticus. Father, we didn't plan on going this year. The Israelites went into the wilderness. Christ went into the wilderness. Both were supposed to be for 40, 40 days. He fulfilled what they should have fulfilled. 
His mindset came out as son. Their mindset came on as slave. Hmm. So Egypt was their identity. Son was it was his. Both had the spirit because he was the water in the rock. Both had the, the wilderness defines the identity or brings about the identity of the believer. Let me pause there. Mr. Mr. Okoyemi, you had a question. Oh yes, I did. Um I don't know if it's a little bit off track, but it was the question about the wilderness that I mean the, the statement about the wilderness being a place of transformation, which is uh, mm. which is apt, obviously. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, has been a place of transformation that, uh, that that caught my attention, and I wanted to ask some questions about. Obviously, I mean, like you mentioned, the Egyptians uh, in their wilderness was supposed to be a place of transformation for them. Jesus, mm. the world is of transformation for him to uh, get full power. Uh, transformation of mind, you just say. Um, mm. But uh, it's a statement and a question at the same time. But I know sometimes we prolong the stay in the wilderness by not understanding or delaying our transformation by ourselves. Now, this mm. is why I said I'm a little bit off track. Um, uh, should I say the question is, and I hope it's not off track, Holy Spirit, help me is how 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 not to delay the wilderness by not heeding for lack of a better word to use to the transformation that the wilderness is trying to is trying to execute in us wonderful statement question oh, oh, you have another question no, no, no. I was just trying to put my hands down, actually. <laughs> okay, okay. Don't worry, I can, I can help you with that. Okay, you, you, you got it then. See? Yes. I will tell you, when you understand the purpose of the wilderness, when you understand the purpose of the wilderness, uh, I don't know if I can find it. Okay. Whoever, whoever, whoever is able to help us do some Googling, please, God bless you if you can. You see, when God sent Moses, he says, go and tell Pharaoh, set my people, people free, that they may worship me in the wilderness. So the wilderness was not a journey of suffering. It was a journey of worship. Hmm. How? Hmm. Hmm. The wilderness is not a journey of suffering. Hallelujah. 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 This is powerful. Mm. Huh. Mm. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. We, we always think the opposite. God bless you. God we bless always you. think the opposite. Which means we should embrace the weird and experience. Yes. Mm. That is why we never learn. That's why we never even get out of it. That's why we prolong it. Because you can't, you cannot see again. Let me let me repeat it. The wilderness is not God punishing you. The wilderness is supposed to eventually bring you to a revelation of the love of God, which is for you in Christ Jesus. 
the wilderness is not God saying, ah, look at this one. Uh, you are feeling yourself. Let me punish you. The wilderness is not God punishing the believer. He said, set my people free that they may worship me in the wilderness. So the question that we, we then should be asking is, what is worship? Worship is not lifting up your hands and uh, crying, sobbing. Worship is not slow music in the church. Thank you, Marina. Exodus five one, Exodus eight one. Let's we can we can even let's 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 see the scriptures. I'll, I'll do I'll do amplify it instead. Exodus chapter five, verse one. Afterward, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, "Thus says the Lord God of Israel: Let my people go, so that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness." Um, okay, he said Exodus eight one, Abi. Let my people go that they may serve me. Let me do New King James. I think New King James may be better for. That they may serve me. Same thing. Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me. Exodus 3.18. So, say let my people go that they may worship me in the wilderness. Exodus 7.16. Okay, thank you. Exodus chapter 7, verse 16, says, Let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. 16, it says, Let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. So, the wilderness is the place for worship. Now, the question we should be asking, though, know, if the wilderness is a place for worship and it's not a place where God is flogging, is taking um, Cain and whipping his children, and if the wilderness is not for whipping and it's for worship, the question should then be, what is worship? What does worship mean to God? Let's start with Romans 12, 1. We'll read it in, in regular version and we'll read it in it says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, not by yourself, not by your effort. What is the mercy of God? Grace. I'm urging you that by grace, present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy. How are you holy? If grace is the fullness of the Holy Spirit in you, the epitome of the holiness of God in you. You are not made holy by your effort. You are made holy by the presence of him who is in you. So you are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He makes you holy. It is the priest that defines the sacrifice, whether it is good and well-pleasing to God. And the high priest who knows you has defined you holy. So holy and pleasing to God, which is your rational, rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Now, this may seem too deep for some people. Let's go to a version, a version that speaks English in a way that people can understand. Okay. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. 
embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Let me stop there. Worship is embodying. It's first submitting, submitting to, embracing and embodying the fullness of God. I'll repeat it again. Worship is submitting to. You submit to God. Submit your eating, drinking, sleeping, cooking, pooping, jumping, walking. Submitting to God. Everything that is your existence. Second, worship is embracing all God has done for you. You submit. You embrace. You become. Worship. You submit. You embrace. You become. Worship. S E B. Seb. Seb is worship. Submit. Embrace. Become. Worship. Israelites could not submit because if they truly submitted, they would not always be finding ways to rebel. Embrace. They could not see his works for them. They could only see the suffering in their situation become. So could they never fully became the fullness of him, his nature in the situation. But look at Joshua and Caleb. They submitted. Do you know what it means? To stay in front of a tent. Come rain, come shine. Come regardless of the weather. Staying with, a, with, with someone else who had a hot temper. You know what it means to hang out with them? They were truly submitted. They embraced what God has done for them. So gratitude was their attitude. They embraced this finished work. They embraced the God that helped them cross the Red Sea. They embraced. So regardless of the situation, since they embraced him, they could always see him. The reason why in a lot of our sufferings, we cannot see God is because we have not embraced him and embraced what he has done for us. So his love, is still a hearsay to us. His love is no longer is not a testimony. It's a story. There's a difference between a story and a testimony. A testimony is tangible to you. A testimony is something that you have embraced that you believe will work for you. A story is something you hear heard about that you share and you possibly can relate to it. What Christ did to the Israelites was a story. To Joshua and Caleb, it was a testimony. They embraced. They embraced it. Hmm. They, they embraced it. So they became it. You become the love you believe. Mr. Premi, you have another question? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, it was more like a contribution. So when you ask the question, what is worship? Hmm. Uh, so for the longest time, I thought worship was just uh, getting down to your nails and singing slow songs to worship God. Hmm. But after some time, I came to an understanding that worship is uh, what you is what you revere, mm. what you fear. The fear of God is the worship of God. What you revere, what you what you hold sacred, what you focus on is what you worship. Um, it's more of a question and uh, a contribution at the same time. Um, so whilst you were talking about the uh, children of uh, the Israelites uh, when they left, when they left Egypt, it, it started to resonate with me. When I let my people go in there and know who I am and worship me and revere me and focus on me. So uh, that's what I wanted to say. Thank you. Mm. You are you are right because submit, embrace, become. Those are the three foundations of. Oh, okay, yes. 
MLG's version says worship in those scriptures. You're right. Because worship. The wilderness is for worship. The wilderness first brings you to a place of submission. The wilderness brings you to a place of embrace. The wilderness brings you to a place of becoming. The wilderness, as long as you are in Christ, you continue going through that cycle of submitting, embracing, becoming. There's always a new area of your life you submit. It's like an onion. Another area of your life you submit. Something new, a new revelation in Christ you need to embrace. Because for every identity in Christ you embrace, you become like him. So, if you, the more you embrace son, the more you know you are son. If he's king of kings, and as he is, you are in this world, that means you are king over the region that he has placed you in. If he's healer, that means you are healed. And you also bring healing to the places that you are in. If he's light, that means he, since he's in you, you are also light. And that's why you're the light upon the world. So, and the more you understand, the more, so the more you embrace. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm now in the Holy Spirit. Said the righteous is like the wind. Because the breath is in me, so I move like the wind. So I cannot be monitored because you cannot monitor the wind. I am like the fire. You cannot hold me. You cannot hold me down. You cannot tie me down in a place. I cannot be held. The more you embrace, the more you become. So worship, the wilderness takes you through seasons. Okay, I, I have nothing. So in this season, I, 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 well, I knew in hindsight. So we have many experiences. But we have fewer learning. Let me explain that. You have to learn from your wilderness so that you become what God needed you to be out of that. Your, your wilderness is to make you a testimony, not just hear a testimony. People tell you, ah, this happened, God rescued me, God did that. Okay, good. Who did you become after that situation? Every suffering brings about a revelation of God. Every suffering must bear fruit. We're I know we discussed this when we talked about the vision for suffering, how we compared fruits, all the fruits of the Spirit. And we went, went to Peter, we went to Corinthians, and it says, and this one brings patience, and this one brings long suffering. And so all this is bearing fruit. And what is fruit? The fullness of the nature of God manifesting you. So you look like him. You look like the bot of God. What is the bot of God? This would have been happened but God. That would have happened but God. You look like the bot of God after each suffering you went through. So when people experience you, you are able to give the same grace that you have received even in your suffering. Let me pause there before I go deeper. Tonya, you had a question. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's more than where I am. Um, okay. I have two two questions, two very basic questions. Um, okay. The first one was, how, how do you know you're in a wilderness? Are we? Is that just described as challenges, or there's a deeper definition? Um, that's one. The second one was, you know, we've said that you know, lay down and listen to slow music is your worship. Is that praise instead, or is there a separate definition for praise? Okay. Two different questions. Let me start with the easier one. 
SEB. Submit, embrace, become. Submit to the Holy Spirit. Embrace truth. Become worship. Submit to the Holy Spirit in the time that you are with him. Submit to him in what you are singing. Submit to him in how you are praying. That prayer is not just an action, it's a nature. This whole, this whole journey started by the question of Mr. Kingsley. Why are people looking for? Why are people still praying kind of prayers? And we went on the journey of how Christ is the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God. And these signs shall follow them that believe. People are looking for in prayer what they've already received in belief. You don't pray to get the power of God. You don't pray to get the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. From the moment you, you believe, you receive the power of God, you receive the wisdom of God. All the signs that follow that, that believe, you don't need to pray for signs and wonders because by belief, so you decree atmospheres of belief. Submission to the Holy Spirit brings you to truth. If you are sitting down and you want to praise, let the Holy Spirit lead you. He, for those who are led by the Spirit are called what? Sons of God. The earth is not waiting for those who pray. The earth is not waiting for the manifestation of those who sing. The earth is only waiting for the manifestation of what? Sons of God. It is in the leadership, it is in, it's in your submission to the leadership of the Holy Spirit that begins the journey. The first part of worship is in submission. How you praise. So you present everything so that the Holy Spirit can guide you. You present how you eat. You present how you talk. What you are going to wear. How you're going to poop. How you're going to jump. What, what hair, how you're going to make your hair, what earring you're going to wear, what the Holy Spirit has to guide you in everything, step by step. That first part of submission to the Spirit is the first part of worship, whether it's in singing, whether it's in praying, whether it's in praising, whether it's in talking, so that everything you do is to manifest that everyone that experiences you experiences God, so that you become the gospel before you speak the gospel. First part, submission. Second part, embracing the truth. Truth is not objective. Uh, truth is not subjective. Truth is objective. And the object of truth is a person. That person is Christ. There is no such thing as your truth and my truth. In the Bible, the truth is a person. That person is Christ. It's not subject to your emotions, your whims, your decisions, your realities. The only reality is in Christ for the believer. The truth is Christ. And that truth has finished works. So you have to believe in the truth and the works of truth. What you embrace is truth. So a time is coming and that time is now when the worshippers shall worship by submitting everything they are and embracing everything that they have done. When you submit and embrace, you become the fullness of God. So what is he saying? Receive grace, submit to grace and embrace faith. So that you can become God in every situation. Worship, the highest form of flattery is imitation. Worship is you giving God back God. In your praise, give God back God. In your love, give God back God. In your action, give God back God. So the highest form of, of, of imitation, of, of highest form of flattery is imitation. The best way to worship God is to be him back to him. Let me pause there. I don't know if I went too deep. Um, Tonya, did that make sense before I go to Mr. Kingsley? 
Okay. Mr. Kingsley. Yes, sir. I, in fact, uh, this thing you just said, uh, you, you've nailed it. But this is just a concern, though, what I'm about to say now is a concern. I, 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 when, I, when you come in the gathering, most times we, don't, we do not allow the Holy Spirit. We just, we are too, we, we, we use this stereotype way of doing things in, especially in our gatherings. Like, we have one way that, that this is the way we do it. This is, but does it mean because this is how we do it? Does it mean that that is what the Holy Spirit will have us do at all times? Like, you just said something like, you're going out, you're eating, you're drinking, you're every, now you decide to go. You have, you know, mm. the fact that you always go through a certain place, a road, a path, you use a particular route to, you know, does it mean that the Holy Spirit wants you to go through that route? Because at times I'll drive, the Holy Spirit will want me to pass through a particular route. We we'll say, no, go this way. It may be longer. At the end of the day, I will now see the reason why he asked me to use that route. Mm. I might be driving now, and normally I should use the express, and the Holy Spirit will say, go take through this path. It has happened, and at the end of the day, I would thank God that I passed through the route. He asked me. Sometimes, if I don't use that route, in fact, there was a time I was arrested by the police because mm -hmm. I used the express, and I was supposed to use another route. It doesn't make sense when I heard it. Go through this route. You put that route, did not make sense. I was like, why? The express is free. Why should I use this route? Guess what? I, I was arrested. So... When we get to church, there's this, there's this stereotype way of doing things that, no, this is how we should do it. So everybody is bent to do that one. And then we now put the Holy Spirit by this. We don't listen to what he will have us do part-time. This, this is why I say, I'm, I'm going to go back to go for what you are saying. Result does not mean submission. Result does not mean oneness. Moses struck the rock and water came out. Moses was not submitted. Signs and wonders do, do not prove submission and fruit. Hmm. Moses struck the rock. Moses was supposed to speak because the rock had already been struck that we can come to a place of speaking to the rock. The rock was struck the first time. It was bruised for iniquity. And the chastisement was upon his shoulder. He is that rock, the spiritual rock that moved with them. He is that rock upon which Moses stood to see God. He is the rock that brings revelation. But the rock did not need to be struck. By submission to the word, submission required that he spoke to it. And it is only in speaking, it is only, it is only in submission that you enter rest. This is why the Holy Spirit said, Hebrews said, and I said, I, the Holy Spirit said, he shall not enter into the rest. Hebrews said, it was not the Father that said, it was not the Son that said. The Holy Spirit, who he did not submit to, said, he shall not enter. And I said, sorry, they shall not enter into the rest. So the end, the person who they did not submit to, prevented them from entering into rest. Again, look at what we're talking about when we're talking about the 12 words that define sons. Our understanding of these words helps us separate legalism, witchcraft, culture, insecurities, wounds, money-making schemes, and son abuse done in the name of Christ from the gospel and from the gospel of Christ and from the body of Christ. 
there are too many things today that are done as a result of people's wounds, insecurities, cultures, offenses, and then slapped with in the name of Christ. Absent submission. People are more focused on how they sound, how they present it, what they have always been doing, how church should look like, not what God wills. Sometimes it's all about one, one person that he's going for. And he can shift. You guys have been here many times where everything that the Lord had me or had only and I planned for, he, has, he will scrap the whole, the whole thing just for one person. And that person comes to believe. And that person feels loved by God. He leaves the 99 to chase one. So we cannot build for personal satisfaction instead of God's position. Submission requires that the experience of every believer comes or ends up at the love of God. It is in unsubmitted Christians that we find most believers abused and hurt by. Church hurt is rooted in unsubmitted people trying to bring people to submission in their action and their decisions. Church hurt is rooted in unsubmitted people trying to bring people to submission in their actions and decisions. In the end, you bleed on people and wonder why they look like blood. You push people and then wonder why they are far away. You hurt people and wonder why they are rebelling. It takes submission to heal, love, and raise the church. It is in submission that people come to their manifestation of the fullness of God. Is it making sense today? Are we tracking? So, sir, are you saying that sometimes just because of one person, eh, God can change the whole entire message that the pastor had prepared for that day by submission? Yes. Hmm. Wow, this is God there. Uh... Okay, give, let me give an example. Is it, we're not all here when we're because of one person. The whole three week series was paused, and we now started on marriage series out of nowhere. In two hours. Mm. The Lord had us change, and we had to discuss the whole series on marriage. Mm. That everybody had to understand what it means to be the bride of Christ and how, how you go into marriage, how you should be a bride, how you should be a groom. How, one person. The Lord shifted the whole for that. Hmm. There are many days that we came prepared and the Lord said, mm -mm, today we're not recording. Let's make it a discussion so people can share their heart. People's hearts are heavy. Let's talk. You all have been on this course many times where I, I, you, you all will hear me say, mm, Lord is asking me not to record this. People need to share their hearts. Hmm. By submission to the Holy Spirit, the church comes to healing. The church are reminded of his love. The church, the power in this gospel, Christ in the gospel, the person who is the gospel, is truly revealed to the believer. 
worship happens when the manifestation of God is delivered to the believer. When God, see, love is a person. He said, um, God is love. Love is not God. God is love. So love is not the God of our people. God is love. So when God gives himself as a testimony to the believer, the believer is unveiled in his identity in God. When love is not the focus of the gospel, and people are the focus of the gospel, the power of the gospel unto salvation is weakened because it is the people being seen, not God. This is why mm. I will share with, with you guys. When the Lord called me into this assignment, he said to me, at no point in time should I look and see you in front. He is in front. He is leading. I am not in front. I am led by him. I rest in him. And I come here as prepared as I am to be prepared for what he wants. Let me repeat that. I come here after studying for hours. I come here as prepared as I am to be prepared for what he wants. I am not prepared to preach. I am prepared to obey. I study to I study to live. I, I study to live. I prepare to obey. And so that when I'm here, breath happens. Because the Bible says all scripture is God breathed. One, and he is the breath of God. Two, he also says that he grants utterance. Three. So both what I have, I have only inhaled and I cannot exhale without breath. If all scripture is God breathed, he exhaled into the word. And so when I read the word, I inhaled. I cannot breathe out without breath. And since there's a God and man, that breath is the spirit of God. So since he is that breath, I must be submitted to him so that those who need breath can have life. If I speak outside of submission, I have a wasted breath. That is why the Bible says we will be judged for the words we speak. We've gone far up a lot of things that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go into in the name. For those who come to session two, at least they, they will skip this part. They will go into the name part, the journey of the name. For those who go into session three, they'll go to the journey of the blood. Oh, sorry, there's no session three. My bad. For those who go on Friday, they'll go into the journey of the blood. So, is it making sense today? Is it, did all this make sense? Did this bless someone? Did they? Did... Very well, sir. Early, Alpha. Oh, sorry, Pastor Shola. You know, we are in a formal setting. I should know. I should. I should. <laughs> hey, hey, man. Um, yeah, I, I. The second question, or rather, the okay. first question that Tonya asked. Um, I, I don't think you got to it, so I, I which, just wanted to hear um, what which she one? said about uh, what the question she asked about the wilderness season. Yes, thank you. Actually, I totally forgot. Thank you for yeah for bringing me back. Um, there is no straight answer for how you know you and your will. Oh. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There are two kinds of wilderness. 
that man experiences. There are two kinds of wildernesses. There's the wilderness of suffering and there's the wilderness of blessing. The two kinds of wildernesses you experience, comfort and suffering. How you know you are in the wilderness The assignment, you're always coming out of something or going into something. You're always coming out of a season or going through a season. Until we go back to his presence, you're either coming through and you're having a break or going through. You're either coming from a season of high where everything seems so perfect, where everything seems so comfortable, where you begin, where comfort can easily become your God and you do not need God. Where comfort has now become the thing that placates you. Where comfort now becomes the season where you no longer need to submit to Christ or anything because, because mammon, money, the affluences of life, has become your God. Wilderness is not just suffering. Hezekiah was proud in all he got. After his life has been extended, he went around and bragged about everything that he went, went through, had, everything that he had. His suffering was not what defined him. His suffering was not what took him out. His suffering was not... It is his, it's in his comfort that he showed his heart. His heart was not for the people. Even when they told him that, oh, this is what will happen as a result of what you have done. He said, oh, thank God it will not happen in my time. So he did not care for what God cared about. His mindset, his mindset was about self. Your wilderness is the season that you go through that shows you how you think. That shows you the difference between your mind, between that shows you these three things, the seasons that show you your submission, your embrace, and your nature, if they match Christ. That is your wilderness, not always suffering, because we have misunderstood wilderness as a suffering season, where as you are suffering now, you are you have no other way to go, you must submit. Ah. You have no other thing to do. You must go and look at the Bible so you can embrace the finished work of God. You have nothing else to do, uh, but so that you, you must become God so that your situation can change. No. Your wilderness season could also be a season of comfort. Where you are in your comfort, if God, if God gave you everything you wanted, will you still submit to him? Or is your, is your relationship with God covenantal or contractual. If God fulfilled everything you stipulated in your contract of obedience, would you still obey? I have met many people who were, who were quote-unquote, how we define on fire, were the ones that were preaching in their season of suffering. 
once God blessed them with everything that they were looking for, it stopped being about the word. It started being about stock. It started being about Bitcoin. It started being about <coughs> aspire to aspire, to inspire the choir so that it can join and join you in what you require. It no longer is about the love of God in Christ. Your wilderness is any season, both in comfort or in suffering, that brings you to a realization of the areas where you are not submitted, where you are not embracing, and when you are not walking in the fullness of the nature of God. Does that answer the question? Yeah, I, I thought um I thought I thought that was really good. Uh, I just just to note the person who actually asked the question, she said she's been trying to get back in. So oh. She said she's been trying to get back in. Yes. Um, but I mean, just, just to add to what you said, hmm. uh, I, I really like how you were able to bring uh, the dynamic of how it's actually in, in um, a time of not necessarily just in suffering, uh, but also when things are going, things are going well. But um, I, I, I think the main thing that you really touched on, I, I think essentially the wilderness season is designed to expose what is in your heart. God bless you. And yes, it's, it's designed. And yeah, we can just look at he, um, Deuteronomy 8. I think, yeah, Deuteronomy 8. Um, so let me let me see. I opened it up somewhere here. I think Deuteronomy eight six and seventeen, because that 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 describes God essentially is telling them the purpose of the wilderness season. That's for the children of Israel, you know. And that's where you see He's saying, you know, I did these things to humble you, you know, to test you, to show you what what is in your heart. Let me just uh, Deuteronomy eight. Uh, yeah, Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. let's just even start from 2. Um, what what like, version do you want to read? Uh, New King James. Okay. New King James. So, it says, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not so he humbled you allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone huh. but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the lord and also in um I'll just read. I'll just read from fourteen. And I'll just read from. Um, let me, yeah, let me, let me read from fifteen. So it says, "Who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land, where there was no water? Who brought water for you out of the flinty rock? Who fed you in the wilderness with manna, 
which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you. And then this is the kicker, to do you good in the end. To do you good in the end. So just like you've, you've said, there's the exposing of the heart, but the intention behind everything that God is trying to achieve through this wilderness in the end is actually to do you good. Thank you. Yeah, so I, I just thought to I just thought to add that. But thank you, thank you for for sharing from that mm. respect. Pastor Show, thank you. <laughs> uh, I think um, if I if I I can't remember correctly, but I also know that Tonya was saying something. Tonya was saying something about um how about the logic, how the how long? How do you know when the wilderness has expired? Something about the length of time, so. Though period of the wilderness something about how okay. you uh, yeah something like how how, how mm -hmm. do you know you have come to the end something like that yeah so all things work together for the good let's let's start back let's start there and go backward so we understood that the wilderness is not a, is not is not it can be both comfort or suffering that checks the heart of man. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaketh. So, the definition of the identity of man is found in the depth of his heart. The wilderness is your heart check. It's a season where the Lord is showing you what your heart looks like. First, are you really son or do you live by bread alone? Are you really son or are you quick to put God to the test? Are you really son or when situations happen, you will bow down and worship? Those are the three temptations that happened to Christ in the wilderness. Is bring, see the comparison of the wilderness. And he says, as Shola read, he walked with them in the fiery serpent. But what do we see about John 3.16 or John 3.14? As the serpent was lifted up, so will he be lifted up. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. So he, the whole wilderness experience was to bring them to a revelation of Christ. Your wilderness ends for you. Oh, Marina says, my God, the comparison of the wrong way to go through the wilderness by the Israelites and the right way to go through the wilderness by Jesus. Yes. There are two ways to go through the wilderness. By submission or by decision. The wilderness is for the good. All things must work together for the good. Good is not man's identity. Good is God's proclamation upon man. Baby, you want to say something? Yes. Hi, everybody. Um, 
I think that the, and I wasn't here for part of it, but this is what the Spirit of God will have me say. There is, what is at the heart of a wilderness question is a, will I call it a contentment in the belief that God has a person's best interest at heart. Because, which for me is still a signal of the type of belief that a person has with regards to the love of God for them. Because if we see, first of all, the, to Marina's point about the differences between how the children of Israel went through the wilderness and how Jesus went through his wilderness, the difference here is the intimacy and the assurance that Jesus had in his relationship with his father. So knowing that it is not, and I think we have, unfortunately, a thing about going through in life. A lot of us are quick to make our situations, our identity, and are mm -hmm. quick to evaluate the love of God to us sure. based on the situations that happen to us. Hmm. Forgetting that Christ was in the boat with his disciples. This storm came. He was sleeping. Uh -huh. And there was another one where he was walking on the storm. And that was when he beat Jesus. I'm sorry, when he beat Peter to come. So the uh -huh. point is that in every situation we are going through, the first foundational thing is, are you convinced in the love of God for you? And the fact that God is for you, mm -hmm. meaning God will not let you go through something just because he's amused or he's bored or he's there to see how you come out. That is not what a father does. Yeah. But when we remember that we are sons of God, meaning if something is happening, what is the fruit that God is looking to prune in our, out of our lives in that season? Aside from the fruit that God is looking to put in our lives in that season, it might be an area of authority that God is teaching us to walk in as sons of king, of a king. But if we are looking at wilderness seasons as times when we need to hurry up and escape out of it, or ah, it's taking too long, like God, why are you not answering? We're missing the point. Because guess what? If you are trying to lose weight, the first couple of times you step into the gym, it is going to be painful like super painful, but you have to stick with it because it is at the end of that quote-unquote pain that the results would it be, you know, um, blood work numbers getting better or you are losing weight and now you have more energy and you can, you know, carry groceries, all your groceries out of your boots immediately. Like that is when you start to see the results. But pushing past the, this gym is punishing me versus this gym or these exercises that I'm doing is here to help me get something or be something or to do something. So if we don't reorient ourselves with regards, because in the life of a Christian, yes, we will know him in the beauty of, the his, beauty holiness, of his holiness, right? And the fellowship. In the fellowship of his suffering. So you will know him in the beauty of his holiness. In your, yes, you are one in God and you are one with God, but you would also know him in the fellowship of his sufferings, meaning Jesus Christ, they are nailing you to the cross, but you did not jump down because you knew that the assignment had to be finished. So it is vital. The power of the resurrection. 
Yes, power of his resurrection. Yes, that is your testimony that gives you the confidence of your oneness in God and oneness with God. So it is vital that we maintain the right perspective. God is not out to punish you. God is not wicked. God is for you. He is not your abuser. He loves you. It is his intention that everything works together for good for you. If we, do, if we miss that uh, foundational piece, everything else is going to look like we're just, uh, maybe I'm God's stepchild. Maybe I'm forgotten by God. No, that's not what it is because he, he calls you the apple of his eye. And grace, haha, Titus tells us that grace equips us as it instructs. We like the equipping part because that's where we talk about, you know, who we are in, in Christ, our identity, our testimony, all of that good stuff. But we forget about the instruction part where the testimony that we have received now be, now is made manifest where we leave it out. And our times of wilderness training or wilderness equipping, like jungle gym, or whatever you want to think about or whatever you want to think about it, are the seasons where our identity becomes tangible. Because it's all, it's all well and good to say, oh, you know, God is good. But God is good when times are tough. Can you still maintain that as your testimony? I am a son of God. When it looks like it's not giving worship, do you, can you still keep that as your testimony when, you're when the thing you can see physically is not matching what you know to be the truth? in your spirit those are the things that so for me I, and I, you know a lot of times we've shared it tony and we've talked about you know lots of some of these things where we talk about like some of the things that we've been through mini Osi and i and when i say god is good i'm not saying that god is generally good like i have enjoyed the goodness of god so when i testify of his goodness is not a i'm not just speaking christianese this not is something that, i'm sorry it's not a cliche. Exactly. This is a lived out experience. When I think somebody has said it on this call where they're saying, you know, the conviction. I think it's even uh, Minister Mike talking about the conviction with, with OT and I, you know, with minister and things. It is because the things that we talk about are the things that we have lived out. Uh -huh. And that came from some of the, would I call it some of the worst <laughs> seasons and times in our lives. So I hope that, you know, encourages us a little and um, challenges us really to reframe. And I'm using this word specifically because these are the words that uh, Tonya can connect with. Reframe the way that we're looking at it. Amen. Amen. So I'll go ahead. Yeah. Um... Thank you, thank you for that. Uh, that was that was really good. Um, just just to add to what was said, because I I wanted to speak about the identity part, but mm -hmm. kind of touched, kind of touched on it. Because really, um, the contrast I think is um, I think Marina had touched on, you know, the contrast between the children of Israel and and Jesus and. Really, it was an identity thing that was at the center of the wilderness season. Uh, you had the children of Israel when anything that looked like trouble, when things were not going good, when that when those 
when situations presented were presented that way to them or when they saw it that way that's when the mindset of slavery kicked in mm. that's when they were saying oh that's 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 when they were actually asking god and yeah in, in a sense for me this is kind of is personal as well because even because yeah you think you think you are good you think oh you you know things you're a christian you have revelation but when these things when certain things happen it's now about like, what is my identity in really is it the fact that mm-hmm. in I am going through a situation and then you begin to ask the question, why? Mm-hmm. Why why me? Why is this happening to me? You know, even you may not even say it explicitly with words, but just in your heart. You are saying the, the way your prayers are coming out, that's really what you're asking. And it's a it now boils down to that mindset of okay, you may not understand it but then it's the slavery mindset it's the, it's the often often mindset like is god really here is god really with me because the wilderness is it looks as though god is not there it's dry it's barren you may not even feel the presence of god but then do you have a depth of conviction that god has my best interest at heart irrespective of what is happening and that was that was the difference between the children of Israel, of course, and and Jesus. So, and yeah, at, at the center of you know the, the wilderness season, like I said before, you know what is really going on in your heart. That's what God wants to get to, and of course, this matter of of identity. Yes. And that brings us back to what uh, you know. Let let me let me read something. Tony, I see your hand. Um, let me read something, and then and, and I, I will I will I would I will bring us back to the other half of Tonya's question. Then, I'm sorry, I think Tonya may have another question. So, let me let me bring let let me read. Um, can you all see the screen? Acts 16 from 25. It says, "I'm reading it amplified. If you're there, say uh huh uh huh. Acts 16:25. Or if you are reading, say you can say uh huh uh huh." Thank you. But about midnight, when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, suddenly there was a great earthquake, so powerful that the very foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer, shaken out of sleep, saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, thinking that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, do not hurt yourself. We are all here. Then the jailer called for the torches and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after I brought them out of the inner prison, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Though short and long, the jailer and his whole house were saved. I want us to see this story. In this story, for some of us, once that ease came, they would have, once that ease came, would have run. Identity, our identity is not a situation. 
freedom is a mentality we have received in Christ. See, freedom is a mentality that we have received in Christ. The Egyptians were the slave, were the slave owners, were the masters of the Israelites. For us, sin is crouching at our door. It is its desire to master us. For Christ says, I am at the knock, I am knocking at the door of your heart. Open. Mm -hmm. Who will you open it to? Who is your master? Who is the master at your heart? Christ knocking or sin at the door. Sin is desire is to master you. Christ's mm -hmm. desire is to be Lord over you, but his in his lordship, you are one. Mm -hmm. In the lordship of sin, you are slave. My God. So the wilderness comes to check who is the mm -hmm. Lord of your heart. Say that again. The wilderness comes to check mm -hmm. who is the Lord of your heart. My God. Did you open the door to Christ knocking mm. or to sin crouching? Mm. I feel like even that that um, chapter that we just read, it even showed something else, right, babe? Where it is, sometimes the wilderness season is not even for you. Yes. I was going to do that. that. Yeah, they went through all of that so that this jailer can be saved because it is God's desire that all men come to salvation. And when we realize that, so when we remember <laughs> that this body of Christ we are members of one body. One meaning, body. Yes. And every joint must do what now? Must supply. supply. So you might be going through a season because God is trying to get another son. And that is love. Shola said at the beginning, I think I can't say it better than how Shola, Shola said it's for the good. Mm -hmm. He did not say your good. He says yeah. the mm -hmm. good. T-H-E-G-O-O-D. It may not feel good to you, but it must eventually result in the good. God's definition of what good is, not your definition of what good is. So the good may not feel good, but it will always result in eventual good. Say that again, please. The good may not feel good, but it will always result in the eventual good. People talk about testimony they forget about the tests and the mornings. People forget about, people talk about messages. They forget about the mess and the ages it took to get there. The mess took ages before it became a message. They were tests and they were mornings before they become a testimony. Understand the journey. So could it, sorry, sir, I, I want to quickly chip in this. Could it mean that, could this mean that sometimes you might be in a particular situation for a long time just because God wants you to meet somebody and to just, just because one person, he just wants you to meet one person. He, he, you will be in that situation until probably the message, he, he has something he has put in your mouth that he wants you to deliver to that person. It could be message, it could be, it, just, it could be anything that God wants you to he just wants you to do he wants to do something through you so you might be in that situation but if you don't know how to appreciate or embrace him while you're going through that you'll be looking at the wrong thing you'll be looking for a way of escape right mm. 
Yes. Mm. I see the Second Corinthians two fourteen to sixteen. So yes, Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter two, verse fourteen. Verse fourteen. For thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us spreads and makes evident everywhere the sweet fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are the sweet fragrance of Christ, which ascends to God, discernible both among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the latter, one, an aroma of death to death, a fatal offensive odor, but to the other, an aroma of from life to life, a vital fragrance, living and fresh. Let me pause there for a second. Sometimes, you are the only fragrance of Christ available to a person. You are the only Christ that they can see. You are the only... So, the wilderness is for your Christ nature to be sown in another person. It's not for you. This, we have to understand, if, when, we say, when we give our life to Christ, why are we questioning how Christ wants to use the life that we gave to him? We gave our life to Christ when we believe. Said, you give your life to Christ? You say, yes. Why are we questioning how he wants to use his life? That's one. Two, do we be believe that Christ is so careless that the life that we have put in, in his hand, he will abuse it or make a mockery out of it? My God. Three. Say that again, please. Yes, okay, two. Do we believe that Christ is so careless that the life that is now put in his hand, he will abuse it or make a mockery out of it? Or three, do we believe that Christ is not wise enough? That he has accounted for every situation that the life will go through? And he has not understood that he is the way that will take that life that had in his hand through? You are seated in Christ. Why do you think that you... Think about a child that's sitting on your lap. Are you ignorant of the child that's on your lap? So why do we think in our wilderness, Christ is ignorant and is not for the good. He cares not about, about us who are seated in him. Sonia, go ahead, ask a question. So, so, so. Um, I, I missed the whole definition of <laughs> my question of what's a wilderness. But uh, I wanted to, the reason why I didn't ask the question again is, is I, I think I got an understanding from the first answer. And what I, I, I think I heard was, it's not necessarily challenges, it's mm. more a situation that is showing you areas where you're not submitted to God. Like mm -hmm. there's like a, like I, I personally feel like I'm in the wilderness right now, but it's not your typical definition of pain and suffering and challenge. It's more mm -hmm. just this is, this is an area where if you truly trusted me, your behavior would be different. And yes. I need I need to press on that part for you, my dear. So that's yeah, that was what I wanted to share. So one part you missed is that we talked about S E B. Submit, embrace, become. The wilderness takes you to the journey of these three things, both whether it's comfort or suffering. Are you submitted or who are you submitted to? Are you embracing or what do you embrace? And what have you become from those two? 
Are you submitted to the Holy Spirit? Have you presented your day as your living, your moment to moment as a living sacrifice? You embrace Christ as his living work and, and his finished work in faith. So are you submitted to grace, which is the person of the Holy Spirit? Are you embracing faith, which is, which is Christ and his finished work? And have you become the fullness of God? Because you have believed. Because you submit and you embrace to, to, and to come into belief. The wilderness checks the SEB of every believer. So, the submission, embracing, and becoming is shown in the heart of the believer. Lala. Oh, sorry, Mr. Mike, do you have it? You no, know, I just wanted to say um, thank God for today's, today's teaching. Ah, for the first time, I, I will say ah, I'm free, kind of. And um, I'm actually not really concerned with how long will this be anymore. Mm. Yeah, yeah to, see, I, I'm not concerned with how long will this be. I just know in the end, it's going to be what God wants it to be. I am actually free. I, I can't explain the freedom that I'm experiencing now. It's like a kind of weight just left me. You know, this whole wilderness experience has been a concern in my life because I think I'm going through a kind of wilderness and I've not really, now I see that I've not really embraced. Okay, maybe I'm even learning submission. I've not come to that part of really embracing it. Uh, so that's really been eye opening and bless God for it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lala. Hello, Lala, are you still there? Oh, I thought I muted. So when you were saying sometimes the situation, the wilderness situation may not even be about you. Mm. So I know a situation where it's, it's a situation that's really hard because one of the persons involved is not um, a believer mm. and the behavior that's taking place is really hard for the person to I don't know to be a light in this situation it's <laughs> really hard but I'm, when you said that it's like wow what if like could God be working in this situation for the non-believer I don't know I don't know but that situation came and how do we just Stay, um, yeah, stay submitted and, and bear the fruit of his spirit when somebody is doing harm to your household. Like, <laughs> it's so hard. And it's like, okay, instead of being so concerned about God remove the situation, we need to be concerned about how we are, what we're supposed to get there. And so, I don't know, it's just, it's a matter of um, just staying in position of who we are at Sun, even when, like, there's some harm being done to you personally. So, I don't know if that's a question or just a, a statement of, um, of just the, the harsh reality of it is even when things are, are happening to us, we can't take it personal because it, it might not, it's probably not about us. Definitely not. There's other souls involved. So. Hmm. Now, 
let, let, let me explain something though with that Lala. I have come to understand that God is no longer in the business of sacrificing sons on the altar of sons for son to come into the son. Let me explain what that means. A son was sacrificed to bring all sons into reconciliation with God. The assignment of the wilderness is to bring you to the fullness of your life in Christ. To be the Christ required for the because the earth is waiting for the manifestation of sons of God. Yet they're waiting for the manifestation of you, me, all of us who are led by the Spirit, who are called sons of God. Our assignment is to be the Christ in this place in the place. It's a difference between making manifest the nature of Christ and taking on the assignment of Christ. Two different things. God does not love one son more than the other. You can be in a place that is constantly risking your life, the life of your household, constantly tormenting and abusing. And we then say, that is a wilderness season. God has put me there. So I am sacrificing my mental, emotional, physical, and probably every other health to bring this person to Christ. No. That is not, we don't have an abusive father. He's not, going to, he's not sacrificing one son for the other. I've had, I've, I've, it's funny, like this weekend, uh, this, yeah, this weekend, we had to deal with a lot of situations going through that where believers feel like the suffering that they are going through in situations where they, can, where they could separate themselves from, where they could separate the person causing the situation from, is part of their wilderness season. If anything now happens to that believer, or that believer should die, we will then turn around and blame God for why they did not rescue the person. Okay, Holy Spirit. My assignment as the whip in this situation to correct that doctrine. God loves one son. God loves all sons. He does not love one more than the other. The wilderness season is not a season where you help God by sacrificing your life for another son. The wilderness season sometimes might require you to separate yourself and let the person have intimate relationship with God from a distance so they can come to God. Prayer is also very effective. You don't have to be in the same house to pray. That is why God sent his word and the daughter was healed. So you can also send your word from a distance in the authority of Christ that you have. And their soul can be healed. You don't have to, it's not, the authority is not by proximity. You don't need Pop to be close. Say that again, the authority please. is not by proximity. You don't have to be in the dangerous situation, costing your life, your life to bring. He's not an abusive father. Is bringing one son to the for at the expense of another. 
in this capacity, in this situation, and what I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit, and what because slightly you're the one asking it, another person is asking that same question. So I'm answering it, the three of you at the same time. Do not put yourself in abusive situations and call that your wilderness. Self-imposed wilderness is a testimony you don't need to have. Because it is it goes back to the second comment. Jump up. You are putting the Lord your God to the test. When he did not send you to jump. Come on. You are that is the second. You are put, he did not send you to jump. Separate yourself. Let me pause it. When you wanted to say something. Oh, you wanted to say something? Oh, no. So sorry. I was talking. I didn't realize I was on mute. Authority is not by proximity, just, you know, buttressing uh, that point. And any situation that a person is in that they are physically in danger, please remove yourself from the physical danger of that situation. Then we can be praying from the distance as we have. Um, as Osi has shared, but to the point of um, when remember the story in Corinthians where um, Paul was writing a letter to the church, and there was somebody that was amongst them who was sleeping with his father's wife, and <laughs> Paul had said to turn him over, <laughs> and you know let the devil have him or whatnot, whatnot. And then after that season came to an end, he was the same person that then told the people to bring him back, right? Of course, that is, that is an interesting story. But the point is, yes, God's agenda is always on salvation or bent towards salvation, but not on the back of another son. Because the one son has been sacrificed one time for all men, for all men for all time so wisdom is profitable to direct as Osi said i'm reiterating it please do not put we cannot put ourselves in abusive situations and saying that it is our wilderness those are two completely different things the wilderness will always bring about the uh, revelation of the love of god it, 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 it strengthens the believer in their conviction of who god is to them an abusive situation can end in the loss of life very very vital that we use our discernment right allow the holy spirit to discern for us right what is a um, a season a time a situation that is in line with god's desire for us or what is an abusive situation that we need to separate ourselves from. Very, very vital. God will not use abuse to instruct his children. Yes, in his mercies, he might he will allow good to still come out of it, but that is that is predicated on the posture of the people involved in the situation because God is a gentleman and he will not force his desires on anybody yes he will never be stranded but at the same time our response is to submit so even if 
words of prophecies have gone forth about people in a situation and they are on the reality is not aligning with those words of prophecy that is not a god matter that is the people matter so we have a choice and we choose but it is important that we apply the wisdom and the discerning of the holy spirit even as we are navigating these types of situation that we do not put on god what did not come or what is not a result of what god is doing amen amen lala does that okay uh, okay answer her question so the assignment of the wilderness is to bring you to the fullness of your nature in christ going to habakkuk 2 verse 2 says the lord answered me and said write the vision engrave it plainly on crape and they will write my law on tab they will no longer need to write my law on tablet they will write it upon their heart he is the word that is written he is the word that we wait on that we run and receive strength we run and not weary we are not weary we walk and we don't faint he is the vision of god he is the word that we write god's vision god's opinion he is the word of god the idea of god he is faith for the vision is yet for an appointed time it hurries towards the goal of fulfillment it will not fail even though it delays wait patiently for it because it will certainly come it will not delay ah uh -uh. isn't that a play on words they say even though it delays it will not delay what does that mean it means time for a believer is not your concept of time is his concept of time this is why the just must live by faith the concept of time for a believer is the beginning brings us to colossians 2 2 to 4 6 to 10 18 to 19 um is everybody still here who are quiet yes please okay yeah colossians chapter two i'm going to read it in message first and i read it in tpt and i think that'll be all for that's all i have the other people can the other, i guess the people that come in part b will get the the name part and we'll, we'll go deeper so colossians chapter two Two to four says, I want you woven into a tapestry of love, in touch with everything there is to know of God. Then you will have minds confident and at rest, focused on Christ, God's mystery. All the riches, richest treasures of wisdom and knowledge are embedded in that mystery, nowhere else. And we've been shown the mystery. I am telling you this because I don't want anyone leading you off on some wild goat chase after some after other so-called mysteries or the secrets. Please, people, in case the mystery is that we are one with God and we are one in God. The wilderness 
Because the question the devil kept asking is, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, the question sin, life, keep asking, will keep asking you, if you are the son of God, if you are truly the word of God, why are you? Why are you going through? Why? When will it? Oneness with God. Oneness in God. Is the assurance of your... The love of God is your assurance. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You have received Christ Jesus, the master. Now, leave him. You are deeply rooted in him. You are well constructed upon him. You're, you know your way around the faith. Now do what you have been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. Watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through empty traditions of human beings and empty superstitions of spirit beings. But that's not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in him so that you can see and hear him clearly. You, do not, you don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. 18 to 19. Please. Don't tolerate people who try to run your life, ordering you to bow and scrape, insisting that you join their obsession with angels and that you seek out visions. There are a lot of hot air. That's all they are. They are completely out of touch with the source of life. Christ, who puts together in one piece, whose very breath and blood flows through us. Is the head of is the head, and we are the body. We can now grow up healthy in God, only as He nourishes us. Ha! Huh. How do I do this in five minutes? Okay. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The purpose of believers, the purpose of man. For those who come to part two, they will get the breakdown of this. Sorry, if you miss it, if you are, for those of you who can only make it to this session, sorry. For those who join us in two hours, oh, sorry, one fifty is almost two o'clock. In an hour, thirty minutes, those ones will get the rest of this. The purpose of man is dominion. I'm sure we should have both recording then. Yeah, we have both recorded. Yes. Okay. The purpose of man is dominion. The purpose of man is in the name of man. Adam, son, son of the earth. Man is, was son of, of the earth. Man was one. It was after sin that man, the second the female man was named Eve, or female human was named Eve, which means life. So life came out of the son of, of the earth. The wilderness comes to give us a choice. Would you choose life in the son 
Christ? Or would you choose death? It brings us back to the garden again. The tree of life, the tree of good and evil. What is in your heart? Even in Eden, Eden is, a, Eden is the heart of God. There's a garden west of Eden, which is your own heart. There is a river, which is the Holy Spirit, connecting from Eden to the garden. And the river comes into your heart and breaks into four. And if you check the name, the meaning behind it, all this river, it tells you what the river, some, one for family, one for friendships, ministry. You can check the meaning of the name of the river to tell you what the river, is, what the river means and what the ministry is for. So, there would, you have the heart of the Father. You have your heart. You are always in Eden from the moment you believe. The wilderness comes to ask you, are you still content with God? It's in discontentment that the devil tried to keep worship for himself. It's in discontentment that despite the multiple trees in the garden, Adam was still, still tried to exalt himself as God and still, still lost it after the one tree that he could not have. That they could not have. Adam lost about after the tree that they could not have. The wilderness is asking you, are you content with God? The time in the wilderness is the journey from identity to identity. From son of the earth to son of God. That is the journey to the beginning. Because at the beginning, it ends. The beginning is the best, is a person. Revelations 3 12 to 14. He is the beginning, the amen. The beginning is the name of a person. That's why the Bible says, In the beginning was the, was the world, was the word. And the word in the beginning is the name of a person. The beginning is the name of a person. The journey of the wilderness is into the beginning. It ends, because Mr. Mr. Michael was asking, when does it end? It ends when you come into the fullness of the nature required for that season. Joshua and Caleb, it ended for them when they came to the fullness of their identity, which is, I know him, and I believe through him, I will overcome. When you come into the more than conquer nature that is required for that situation. And as we know, how are we more than conquerors? By the love of God in Christ. So the end of your season is when you become, you, you, you submit to, you embrace and become the love of God required in that situation. Paul and Silas became the love of God to that man. Job transition became a love of God to his friends as priests. Every story of wildernesses in the Bible ended with the love of God being revealed to the people or through the people. It ends when you embody the love of God required to be understood and become. We can become in that season.
So my daughter answer your own question. When does it end? It does, it does. It's fine. So that's all we have. Question, comments, concerns. What are y'all taking from today? The beauty that the wilderness is a worship is a time of worship. Mm. Yeah, mm. that's taking away every kind of fear, at least for me, every kind of fear, every kind of weights, every kind of questioning, every form of questioning. Because mm. mm. I know in the end there's a beauty, and I know the beauty is being worked up. I mean, it's being, I'm being walked into the reality of that beauty. In the end, mm -hmm. I'll come into the fullness of that beauty. So I'm actually looking forward to several other wilderness now. Mm. Come on, Mr. Mike, testify. Yeah. You better yeah, testify. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's it for me. Glory. Yeah, that's it for me. Mm. Every question about what Christianity, I may not know the fullness of it, but see, I from today I believe by his grace, I will I can consistently embrace every circumstances and situation that I find myself now. There's no there shouldn't be any form of questioning anymore. If you really understand yeah. it, there wouldn't be any form of questioning anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. Cast out fear. That's it, yeah. Yeah, that is it. The end goal of the wilderness is the glory of the believer. Mm -hmm. That's why it says, and we know with great confidence mm -hmm. that God, who, deep, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good, for those who love God those who are called according to his plan and purpose mm. for those whom he foreknew and he foreknew mm -hmm. all of us because he knew you before you were born in your mother's home he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so son of son of earth to become sons of god and ultimately share in his complete sanctification so that he will be firstborn the most beloved and honored among many believers so firstborn among many so firstborn among many firstborns. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he also justified, declared free of the guilt of sin. So sin can no longer be your master. He is now your Lord. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity. So what shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be successful against us? Nothing, no wilderness, no power can be successful or even separate us from the love of God present in Christ Jesus. Our wilderness is always going to be the testimony of our glory in Christ Jesus. So can you about the Hallelujah! The word of God Amen. is truly life. Yes! Yeah, what came to my what um the, the what struck me the most from this was what um Pastor Oni said when she was 
giving the description of um, the wilderness experience between um, the Israelite and Jesus going through the wilderness. The attitude of Jesus was that Jesus never made the wilderness experience his identity. Yes. He mm. chose the identity that the Father had given to him mm. by submission. So what I learned from that was that never make the wilderness experience your identity. Yeah. Choose to be what the Father has called you to be. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. You are in a situation, you are not the situation. You are going through a suffering, suffering is not your name. You are going through a situation, you are not the situation. Don't make the wilderness your crown. Don't make your mistake your grave. Get up and walk. Hallelujah. <sighs> to add to that, don't make something that's temporary become permanent. Mm. Only, it is only mm. our position and posture in Christ that is permanent. Because scripture says, who says a thing, and it mm. comes to pass unless mm. the God Lord says mm. it. Mm. So it is only that which God says about mm. the believer that mm. is eternal. Stands forever. That only yes. that which God says about the believer is eternal and Amen. stands forever. Amen. Everything else that happens, which is why it is important, which is why him we pray and staying consistent with the gospel is important because that's mm. when we renew our minds to mm. what God says about us so that mm. when life happens, we can recognize it as a temporary thing mm. that is going to pass away. If, you, if you've ever read the Old Testament, you will see that scripture, that beginning, and it came to what? To pass. And it came to pass. Um, they were they had a bad king, it came to pass. They had a good king, it came to pass. They had a, this, and that time comes to pass. So everything will pass away. It is only the no. word of God. And we see this even in Hebrews 12, where it says he comes to shake the unshakable. And only the unshakable remains. Amen. So, so, so our light affliction. This scripture that just came to my mind. But this he said our light of um, affliction, which exactly. is brought for, for a, a moment, exactly. working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of yeah, glory. Exactly. Mm. We look at the things which are seen, mm. Mm -hmm. but the things which are not seen. Because yeah. the things which are seen are temporal, but yep. the things which are not seen are eternal. Yep. Light. Yes. Look at it. The churches of what? Yeah. Sorry, babe. No, no. I, no, I just said light affliction for glory. Go ahead. Exactly. So you know, I'm just saying, like again, as we as we are mindful of our tenses, we are also mindful of the choices of words: light, temporal, eternal weight like all of those things get, like helps us to think about or how we 
uh, frame <laughs> how we see the things that happen to us. It is only the word of God and the decree of God that is everlasting and eternal. Everything about life, it will pass away. This heaven, this earth will pass away and there will still be a new one. So, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So, uh, let me say something. Uh, let me just obey. First Peter 5, 8 to 9. This is how you respond to the wilderness. Be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Sorry, I think you should actually even start from this, from seven. Because seven is the foundation. Okay. Or oh, six, sorry, six. Yeah, um, I'll go to six. Therefore, mm -hmm. humble is submission. Therefore, mm -hmm. humble yourselves under the mm -hmm. mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you to a place of honor in his service because the wilderness is to serve so you must to serve you must be humble to serve requires submission you cannot serve without submitting and at the appropriate time remember time we talked about it delays but it does not delay the time is your fullness of the manifestation of your nature in the beginning your nature as the beginning your nature in christ casting all your cares all your anxieties all your worries and all your concerns once and for all on him for he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully be sober well balanced and self-disciplined be alert and cautious at all times that enemy of yours the devil crawls around like a roaring lion fiercely hungry seeking someone to to devour but resist him be firm in your faith what is faith be firm in your identity in christ against his attack rooted established immovable knowing that the same experiences of suffering so how does the enemy come and test how does he roll the same experience of suffering so suffering is what the enemy tries to use i've been experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world you do not suffer alone so why me is he always me am i alone why does he have to be you do not suffer alone you are not alone he's always with you and there are brethren going through the same thing you are going through somewhere in the world amen so let's go to declarations for heart and mind sorry this is first peter word first peter five um okay. we started from six all right thank you let's go to our declarations are you all ready yes so we can come up with we declare together you can say i today because we, we need this affirmation and identity so one two three go i am i am a son, a son on a mission my assignment is to be i exist by the bread of god my assignment my assignment is to be and live 
my testimony I walk in the I walk work in I am I move. I move. Is the atmosphere of Christ? The atmosphere of Christ. My, my assignment is to be an impact. I execute the vision of Christ. With the vision of Christ. My assignment is to light. light. I am empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. My assignment is to live and lead. Christ, Christ is doing all things through, all through me. Come on, Lord, for me. Bring life. Bring life. Bring life. Bring love. Bring life. Bring love. Amen. Amen. Mr. Mike, please pray us out. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for light that you have shared. Thank you because this light finds expression in us as we become one with the light. And the light shines in us, to us, and is then shining through us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a blessed week. Thank you for coming on. We, we stayed almost an hour over time, but... It seems like people are. Still, it feels like you guys don't even want to go. But God bless you. As you if not for the second, if not for the next session, I think we should have just continued. Please, I wanted to ask: all these declarations—is it possible for us to be having them somehow separately? Every declaration. Is it possible? I'll try and send this into the chat. I'll send it in the chat. Okay, please. We have some uh um what should I call it? Oh, we're still recording. Yeah, we can stop the recording. Thank you, Marina.